Um, just wanted to really quickly tell you, um, we hope that the, the plethora of breakfast items and the candy sitting in your seat, it is not a test, it is to be generous. So hopefully your hearts and your minds will remember that God is generous, but also your tummy will remember that God is generous, uh, this morning at least. So, um, so to kind of jump in on, on what Sue had said, um, I want to kind of paint a picture for you. And it happened about a year ago for me, and I don't know if you guys have ever had those moments where in your life where you're like, where did that thought come from? Like, and it's when those thoughts hit you at random times. It could be even in a moment of worship. And typically, that's when those random thoughts hit me of, man, that was just wicked. Not like the good thoughts or like, I had a brain idea. I had a great idea. No, it's like these wicked thoughts hit you at random moments. And you're just going, where in the world did that even come from? And um, I'm sitting at my computer and um, paying bills and I'm going through our different things. And my wife and I have had the privilege of sponsoring two Compassion International kids for about as long as we've been married, almost 12 years. And I remember as I'm sitting there about to click the payment confirm button, this thought came in and it was momentary. It was just for a moment. But the thought was, how could I spend this money differently? And I remember being shocked at the thought, like this moment of greed that was not even close to being cared about these children that we've been pouring into, reading their letters, them getting to read ours, sending pictures to them, sending pictures to us, not even concerned in the least for these children, because I was thinking, how could I spend this money better? And I was shocked and taken aback by that thought. Now, here's the, here's the whole process that I went through. I went through the normal thought process. Well, it's just a thought. Don't, no big deal. Just move on. And yeah, I mean, we can think that. And there may be some of you in this room who go, yeah, it was just a quick thought, but just move on. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Well, I also had the thought of, Jason, you are such a Scrooge. Like, seriously, how could you, how dare you think something like that? The guilt, I piled it on. And then I had the thought of, well, it is just the right thing to do, so I should do the right thing. I've had that thought, too. I mean, I, I went through all of these thoughts, and I, I mean, I did have the thought, think of the children, Jason. I did. I had that very thought. And then my brain was going, no, Sarah McLaughlin, I will not look at your slow-motion snow in front of the face of this dog. No, Sarah McLaughlin, I will not listen to, I will remember, and think of the, think of the animals that are starving and how I should sponsor them. And then, no, Alyssa Milano, I will not look at this, ch- this child on this commercial who tells me, you know, you can meet the needs of all these children. Look at them. Look at them. And I mean, I'm going through my, all of these motions in my brain going, how is this going to inspire me to battle these thoughts and I'm really kind of letting you in on a wind of how Jason fights like how Jason goes to war because if you don't know that the Christian faith is one of a fight I don't know if you are walking the Christian faith to be quite honest because it is so stinking hard and it's all I mean it comes and goes right here where you're getting hit in the head and in the heart And so I really started to think on this whole process of, you know, how does somebody battle the thought of greed, of I need more, or I want more, or maybe I shouldn't sponsor these children, or maybe I should, and how do you deal with that stuff? Because the Bible does direct us. I mean, it does direct us on where we're to put our thoughts, where we're to think. I mean, the the scriptures make it clear, think on all that Jesus endured, and you will not give up. 
The Bible talks about where we put our thoughts, where we put our focus, and we see that we're strengthened by that somehow. But the question I have for us as a church, very simply, is does God want people who do generous things, or does he want a generous people? Does God want people who do nice things for other people, or does he want a people who reflect him? And God, above all what we see in Scripture, is generous. And so I sit back down at the computer and I'm thinking through this whole process. Come with me through this process. I'm sitting at the computer. I hit confirm payment. But then I immediately have to go, God, it was your kindness alerting me to the, to the wickedness that still remains. And what I did in those moments was not one of pile on the guilt, but I had to run to Scripture and go, no, God, I have to see you for who you say you are. Because I know what I'm capable of. I know where my temptations lie. I know that I'm, I, I worry about where the next... Penny is coming from. I know I worry about having enough money or I know I'm, I have that potential to be self-consumed. I know all of those things. And it's God's kindness bringing those things to light so that I can do something with it. And the question is, where do I go and what do I do? And very simply, um, we're going we're gonna to look very, very quickly at a story in Matthew chapter 20. And here's the thing. Some of us, and there's a, there's a phrase and a language used in Christian mission trips. Nine times out of ten, the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth after they've come back from overseas is, I'm so appreciative for all my stuff. Here's the problem with that. I do not think that God would send us overseas to see what we see to come back and worship our idols more. I really don't think he wants me to go, okay, Jason, I'm bringing to light your heart that you obviously still have these things in you that are wicked and greedy. And see, we like to go, well, just think of all your stuff. Think of all that you have. That should be motivation enough to give. How in the world is that going to be God using his word to wake me up and say, look at your idols. Don't you love your idols? They're so good. That's not what we do as Christ followers. But there is something we do. To inspire this whole, how is, if God is generous, then what does that mean? And how do I respond to his generosity? In Matthew chapter 20, setting everything up, <clears throat> Jesus has just encountered the rich young ruler. Jesus has just said, here's what you got to do. And the rich young ruler doesn't want to do it. He walks away sad. The disciples freak out. They're like, man, that dude's done a lot. It's got to be impossible to be saved. And Jesus is like, well, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then the disciples jump into, but God, how, you know, Jesus, this whole thing, we've given up an awful lot for you. Is it going to be worth it? And Jesus explains, yeah, it's going to be worth it. And at the heart of both of those questions really is, is God good? Can he save me? Will he save me? And is this life devoted to him really worth it? And Jesus tells this story, which I find funny, to comfort them. But it will also cause many of you in this room to squirm in your seats. And here's why. Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right on the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock, now here's the thing. Some translations say five o'clock. Some translations say, at the 11th hour. Some of you know what that phrase means. At the last minute. Don't you? You know what that means. 
So at five o'clock at the 11th hour at the last minute that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, listen to this, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. I love how they add the details. They want to remind the the landowner, it was really hot today. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. I didn't, didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. Listen to this. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? This hits every unfair button in our bodies right now, doesn't it? It's not fair. It's not fair at all. But this story also lets us know that there are some, not everybody responds to the goodness of God in the same way. Not everybody responds to the generosity of God in the same way because they can't stand that someone else would receive it. Someone else would be given something that maybe they didn't work for, they didn't earn. But I've been working since 8 a.m., God. Somehow, your generousness to them, it drives me crazy. And there's a reason it drives us crazy. Because you and I typically like to find ourselves relating to the 8 a.m. hire. You and I find ourselves looking at, and this is mainly for those of us that maybe have grown up in the church You've grown up and you've, you've served God, you've followed God, you maybe you learned about Him early on, and there's this 8 a.m. mentality that we walk with. Look how long I've been working for you, God. Look how long I've been doing stuff for you, God. Look how long, how much I've poured myself out for you, God. And we use these phrases, and we begin to believe that somehow God is not generous because we've been working for Him longer. And, and here's one of the, ma- the, the main reason I believe we think that God is not generous is because... We look at other people, and we look at other people's stuff. See, we have been tricked to think that the generosity of God is based on the things we have. For some reason, we have this gross, disgusting thing in us that says, well, for God obviously to be generous, I have to have all the things I want. And if you look at the life of the guy who was hired at eight, he took his eyes off of the landowner and and ignored the fact that he was standing around doing nothing in a marketplace, having no purpose, no value, no mission, no pay, no nothing. And a landowner comes to this marketplace, seeks him out, finds him, gives him a job, gives him what he needs, takes care of his family, because ultimately at the end of every workday in this day and age, they were paid. Why were they paid every day? Because it met the needs for the day, for their family. So not only did this worker take his eyes off of the landowner, he looked at the other people and he looked at the other people's stuff. One guaranteed way to miss the generosity of God is to compare yourself to others and their stuff. It is a very dangerous place to find yourself. Now, What we see is that ultimately the landowner was generous with himself. He's like, I'm going to be the one who goes and finds these workers. 
They may have been standing around, but I'm going to give them value. I'm going to give them purpose. I'm going to give them everything they need. And ultimately, where I think we need to spend the most time this morning is very simply, the generosity of God is not, I don't believe the generosity of God is based on the amount, but it's based on God's attitude. The generosity of God is not based on the amount. I believe it's based on His attitude towards us. Now, I'll tell you why I believe that. Um, You can do a generous thing and not be a generous person. Do you know that? I mean, most of you in this room understand this. For those of you that don't know me, I have a very extensive DVD collection. I've gathered them over the years, $2 at a used DVD shop here and there and all those things. But when you ask me to borrow a DVD, I don't think you understand what you're doing to my heart. Because I know in your heart of hearts, because your heart is just as wicked as mine, your desire is to scratch my DVD, use it as a sanding tool, give it to your dog, and put it in a toaster, and then give it back to me. That's what your desire is. I know it. In your heart, it is to destroy this DVD you've asked to borrow from me. I am not generous when it comes to my DVDs. I will let people borrow them, but just know, I know what evil lies in your heart. I am not generous with my DVDs at all. I'll let you borrow them, but it is, it is white-knuckled, tight-fisted. No, look at this DVD. Don't take it. Take it. Okay, you can have it, but I will destroy you. <laughs> you see, that's not generous. Okay, That's doing something, and people are like, Oh, man, i got to borrow a DVD from Jason. Yay, it's so fun. And I'm sitting there. I cannot. Oh, please give it back in the right condition. Please, you know, and I'm OCD about it, but whatever. But I want you to see the definition of generosity. And I'm going to show you two different slides. Here's the first one. Willing and freely supplying abundantly. Okay, I want you to pay attention to that. And I think sometimes we run straight to the abundantly. We do run to the more than enough. Okay, we take care. God takes care of us, gives us what we need, and we hear that. But the other end of that is the willing and freely. And that's really what I want to spend time this morning. The other definition I want you to see, which is, to me, the one where this is where we go biblically. We're looking at what generous means when it's used in the scriptures. And it's typically attached to generous grace. So look at this. The other one is showing readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. So God not only gives us more than what we need, He is like, I am so ready to give you more. I am so ready to give you more. I am so ready to give you more. Imagine if that was my heart when it came to my DVDs. You know what? You can borrow one. You can borrow a thousand. You can borrow all of them, man. I don't care. Just come and borrow from me. Which will never happen. I just want to make sure we're clear. I will never let you borrow my DVDs. Reluctantly. My wife has to talk me into it, Jason. We really should share. But I don't want to share anything. These are mine. They're like trophies. You don't understand. But what we see above all in Scripture is the generosity of God. You know, Sue touched on it a little bit. You just look at the scriptures. He, with creation, did he have to create? No, he wanted to create. With Noah, did he have to save Noah? No, but he wanted to save Noah. With Abraham, did he have to call him out and make him a promise to all the nations? No, but he wanted to. Nation of Israel, did he have to go and rescue Israel? No, but he wanted to. God, the scriptures make it clear that God generously gives us wisdom when we ask. Do we ask for it? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But he says he generously wants to pour it out. God generously gives us his spirit. 
For those of you in this room, have you asked God generously, give me your spirit? It says he wants to. The scriptures say he wants to do these things. God generously, God's generosity is the basis for our prayer. He says, look, you guys are wicked and you like to give good things to your kids. I'm great. I'm God. I'm generous. Just think of how I want to pour out on you. God generously fills us with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Two things which I lack all the time. <laughs> the scriptures make it clear that he wants to generously pour those out on us. We see in the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul's actually talking about a church who is broken, busted, beat up, but man, they are anxious to give. And this is what he says. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. In Romans chapter 10, listen to what Paul's saying to the, to the Roman Jews at the time. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives what? Generously. To all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why do we have the scriptures? So that we can see that God is generous with himself to rescue. But what about those who aren't calling on him? Listen to Daniel chapter 5 verse 23. And I'm reading this to you. And I, you know, I, can't, I don't have time to go into the context. But I want you to see the point. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from this temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. Job chapter 12 hints at the exact same thing. For the life of every living thing in his hand and the breath of every human being. You see, God is generous even to those who do not call on him. There is this concept, this idea of common grace. It's not saving grace, it's common grace. That God allows his rain to fall and his sun to rise on the just and the unjust alike. And if you're breathing, if your heart is still beating, there is a reason for it. And I'd like to take you to the scripture to show you how generous he is. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You woke up today, if you are outside of Christ, so that you might be in Christ. So that you might return to the one who created you, who generously has allowed you to breathe and have a heartbeat. So that you might respond to the kindness of the landowner who sought out those people. Gave them purpose, gave them, gave them what they needed, gave them a job, gave them a desire, paid them a fair wage. But here's the problem. We have some mentalities that we have to deal with. And the first mentality I think we have to deal with, specifically within the church, is this idea that, God, you need to be fair. I don't think we know what we're saying to God when we say this, but this is a mentality that we walk with. God, you need to be fair. Almost like it's a karma thing. See, karma is not a Christian principle. It is not taught in the scriptures anywhere. Can I explain that to you? Good things happen to very, very bad people. And very bad things happen to good people. 
Logically, this whole fair thing does not work. I do good, God, you give me good. That's how it should work. It does not work that way. The other mentality, and if you want to rhyme, God, you don't care. Okay, so God, you need to be fair. God, you don't care. So this is the whole, God, you're stingy. You're not generous. And it's a mentality we have to admit. Where are we at with this? God, you don't care. You don't care about my dealings. You don't care about me. You don't care about my stuff, my things, the issues I'm going through, the circumstances I'm walking in. It's a mentality. It's, it's alive. It is alive and well in the church. And thirdly, this is one that is very dangerous in the church. God, now you should share. And I capitalize the now because that's us going, I've done all of these things for you, God, so now you owe it to me to share. God, I've done all this stuff for you, so now you owe me. This is the whole give to get principle that is alive and well in the church and it's killing people. You know why? Because when you give and you don't get, guess who becomes the bad guy? God. Three very live and well mentalities that have to be addressed very simply by looking at the cross. It is really hard to say, God, you need to be fair and look at Jesus on the cross. It's really hard to be like, God, you're not generous and look at Jesus on the cross. It is really hard to say, God, now you need to share and look at Jesus on the cross. All three of these mentalities are directly dealt with by looking at Jesus. In effect, the story is painted of the landowner. When we take our eyes off of the landowner and put them on things and people, we will miss the generosity of God. I kid you not, and it will destroy you. It will take you down. It will slowly corrupt your heart and your mind to where you find yourself trapped in this thought process. Now, very simply, some of you need to stop thinking of yourselves as the 8 a.m. hire and realize you're the 11th hour hire. My wife and I were having a conversation about this story several years ago, and she said something very profound to me. She said, it's kind of arrogant to assume that I'm the guy hired in the morning and not the guy hired at the last hour. I assume because I've been a Christian for most of my life that somehow I've done more or worked harder to earn God's generosity. And I tell you what, that woman isn't just beautiful, but she is intelligent and smart. And she hears the words of the Lord. And those words penetrated my heart as well. Because here's the thing, folks. As soon as we lose the wonder of being the late hour higher, we're in trouble. Put your shoes, put, put the shoes on of the late hour guy. 4.59 in the evening, standing in the marketplace, hoping someone will hire you. Knowing you have a family to feed at home. Knowing that if nobody comes through, I'm in trouble. Hopefully we have enough leftovers from last night. Hopefully we have something to put on the table. Hopefully I can tell my wife something that I was standing in the marketplace. I was trying to put myself in the right place. I was trying to get hired. I wasn't being lazy. And going 459, I'm not going to be, there's nothing I can accomplish today to provide for my family, to provide for myself. And at five o'clock, a landowner walks in and you catch eyes with him. You're like, oh, that guy hires people. That guy hires people. 
He locks eyes with you and points at you and says, come on, I'm going to give you a job. I mean, and then the, the late hour, the late hour guy goes, well, I mean, it is five o'clock. I mean, there's no way I'm going to make enough money to, to provide. I mean, I may work for an hour. I mean, I hope I won't work for an hour because I'm not working late night shift. I don't want to do that. That's not going to happen. But he gets out into the field and just before he, he swings that first axe or swings that first rake or whatever he was given the task, the whistle blows. <laughs> End of day working is over. Wait, but I didn't, I didn't even break a sweat. There's guys, they're dirty and they're sweaty and they're tan and they're everything because they've been working so hard. I haven't done anything. How, what, what's next? How do I move? What, I, I mean, am I going to get paid? What's going to happen? Okay, I'll go get in line. The guy said, obviously, go get in line to get paid. And I'm at the back of the line because I don't want anybody to know that I'm getting paid and I didn't do anything. And then the foreman comes and moves you in your clean clothes, not sweaty hands, not calloused hands, not suntan face, moves you to the front of the line. You can feel the stairs coming on. I didn't, I, I don't know what's going on. I didn't want to do this. He's moving me, not me. I didn't do this. He's moving me. He's the one who, get mad at the boss, not me. <laughs> and then when you stick out your hand, in your hand is put a full day's wage. Oh, I am in big trouble now. <laughs> I hope nobody saw how much I just got paid. And apparently, they did. Because they took their eyes off the landowner, assumed they deserved more. And they walked away angry. But I guarantee you, this 11th hour hire, he knew what it meant. To be out of control. To have nothing in and of himself. No value, nothing. And to have a landowner seek him out, pay him a full wage. And to be able to go home and say, I'm not sure how this happened, but we're going to eat tonight. I'm not sure how this happened, but, but we got the needs taken care of. See, when we lose the wonder of being the late hour hire, we are in very big trouble. And so what I want to close with very simply is, I want to give you a picture of if things were fair, what would it look like? And the band can come on up here and we'll close. See, Romans 5.7 is fair. I want you to see what Romans 5.7 says. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. And I'd just like you to leave that verse right there. See, this is fair. See, good doesn't die for bad. Okay, good dies for good. That's fair. And there's some of you in this room who are, who are still convinced you're good. You're like, yeah, I get it. I haven't done anything majorly bad. I haven't done anything crazy. I'm good. Well, I just want to use Jesus' words very simply as the measure of good. Jesus said there's one God and that you should love this God with everything you have at all times and love your neighbor as yourself at all times. My question to you is, have you ever put anything before God? Then you're not good. Have you ever not loved God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? If the answer is yes, you're not good. Have you ever not loved your neighbor as yourself perfectly at all times? The answer is no, you're not good. So... If we get fair, we get nothing. Because we are not good. But I love that Romans 5.8 follows Romans 5.7. And it says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You know what's amazing to me? 
is Jesus called this disgruntled employee friend. The word friend is used three different times in the book of Matthew. And every time it's used, he's addressing someone who's in the wrong. Did you know that? It's amazing to me how Jesus is even patient with people who are wrong. (laughs) And he said, friend, I wanted to pay him the same. So this morning, as we soak on the fact that God is generous, and I know we have mindsets that have to be dealt with and mindsets that have to be destroyed and torn down and new ones built back up, but God is generous. And so this morning, as we close, I want to show you an old hymn that I believe is for those of you in this room who may think you're the eight o'clock higher. I've done enough. I can do good. I can do more. But for those of you that may find yourself in the 11th hour spot, may these lyrics bring you comfort. And as we close in worship, may your heart be encouraged to know that there's a generous God ready to receive. And the lyrics very simply say, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded in the fall. Jesus ready stands to save you. Did you hear the word Jesus ready? I mean, just... Anxious, 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 anxious. Jesus ready stands to save you full of pity, grace and power. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. And you know what that means? Your conscience goes, well, I'm not good enough. And your conscience goes, you need to clean yourself up more before you can go to Jesus. Let not conscience make you linger nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. The 11th hour hire knew exactly what he needed, and the landowner came in at just the right moment, gave him everything he needed. So this morning, if you're in this place, don't put it off. Run to Jesus. Run to this generous God. Address those thoughts you are having head on. And go, are they biblical? Have I, have I allowed these thoughts to creep in that you are not generous, God, because you are very generous? Jesus, we love you. And I ask that in this moment and in this time, your name would be lifted high because you are generous. In your name we pray. Amen.